Time and time again, Jesus displayed his power through miracles. One such miracle, him walking on water, gives a clear picture of his power over the earth. Join us as we study Jesus' power in saving us from our sins and how focusing on him can bring peace in our lives. Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. Travis, in this episode, what I'd like to do is for us to study Matthew 14, 22 through 33. This is the account of Jesus walking on water. And what I would like to do is study this, pa- read this passage, and then we'll have some discussion about it. So I'll go ahead and start out by, um, well, you know what? What are your thoughts on this passage of Scripture before we even get started? A very interesting story. There's obviously, and you and I talked before we began the podcast, that there's a lot of different angles you can take looking at this passage and, uh, and considering different ways you could apply it. So now I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So maybe something important to do first is establish context of this miracle. So in Matthew, uh, what precedes this miracle in Matthew? Yeah, right before this happens, Jesus has fed the 5,000. And of course, we've talked about that on previous episodes. So not just 5,000, probably a whole lot more people than that. So certainly his following had really grown uh, and the the people following after him and the crowds coming after him have gotten very very large so it makes a lot of sense for jesus to send the disciples out on in the boat away from him and then he goes out by himself to pray Uh, jesus often tried to find solitude Mm -hmm. to go to god in prayer so that's what's happened before we we get to this story yeah and then it says that he um you know and if you look in john's account i didn't even think about this but if you look in John's account, he also gives the bread of life sermon around this time mm-hmm. where uh, these people have come to eat, and he gives the bread of life sermon and kind of scares some of them away. Uh, but then you have more people that still want to eat, and they follow him across 
um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So uh, anyway, he does the feeding of the 5,000, as you mentioned, and then says he went up on a mountain to pray. This is something, like you said, that would have been common. And meanwhile, what's happening to the disciples? Yeah, they're in the boat in less than ideal conditions to try yeah. to cross over uh, the, the sea there. A lot of wind, a lot of water against them. It says that they, in the, either this account or other accounts, I guess, makes note that it's difficult for them. It's that they're not making a whole lot of headway as they're trying to get across the sea. Yeah, so they're struggling out in the sea. And it says that Jesus comes in the fourth watch of the night. So fourth watch of the night would have been somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. You think the night started at 6, around 6 p.m. And fourth watch broken up into four. So uh, you've got 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, and 3 to 6. Uh, would have been sometime very early morning for us, um, in, sometime in that gap. And as you just brought up, the conditions are not ideal, right? He, he's walking through a storm. And one thing I, I thought of is how did Jesus catch up to them? Because they would have been in a faster vessel than someone walking. Yeah. And yet, like you just mentioned, they're struggling. Uh, so they clearly have not made much progress if he's able to walk and catch up with them. Yeah, but even then, the account says that they're a long way from land. So mm -hmm. they're, they're not just a little bit off the shore. Uh, I don't know exactly how far they are. I, I guess no one really knows from the account. But it is miraculous that Jesus is walking and catching up to them. And it occurred to me, as you, you made the point about it being the fourth watch of the night. You know, it's between 3 a.m., 6 a.m., it's still very early in the year, like calendar year, so it's going to be dark. It doesn't matter if it's three or if it's six. At this point, the sun's not up. Uh, it may be you may be starting to get a little bit of that early morning light, but not very much. So it's still probably very dark. It's stormy, so even if the sun was up, the clouds are out. Uh, this is a really, to me, a kind of terrifying situation for the, the disciples who are in this boat. Right at the scary point in the night, they've probably been up all night trying to fight this storm. And um, and you made me think of this. In one of the other accounts, Jesus is, it says that Jesus intended to pass by them. So I think the purpose of this was just to show them his power, and they saw him in this instance and, and were challenged and really became scared and then saw that, it was who he was once he, he stated his claim. So, with all that being said, when he catches up to them, of course, everyone says, hey, Jesus, get in the boat, right? Uh, not they at not all. Yeah, no, they, they say, ah, it's a ghost! <laughs> and I, honestly, I'd probably be in the same boat <laughs> if uh, I saw something I see, like that. I see your pun there, in the uh, same boat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think of this like a Scooby-Doo reaction, you know, uh, Shaggy saying zoinks or something, because uh, there's this ghost. And like you mentioned, it's a scare. I mean, we're making light of it. it had to be terrifying. Oh, yeah. Why would you see a person walking on the water? Uh, and you, you ask the question, like, well, why would you think, you know, why would you immediately think of a ghost? What's your explanation? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know what I would come up with either. 
Jesus is always challenging the boundaries of possibility with impossible actions. And you see that through his ministry. Everything he does is impossible. Mm -hmm. And how many times do we read the disciples' reaction is, you know, they marveled at this, and they, they, who who is this that can, like when he calms the sea, who is this that commands even the sea? You know, they have these sorts of reactions, even though over and over Jesus shows incredible, miraculous, supernatural Mm -hmm. ability. Mm -hmm. Every time he does something new, they're astounded, just like it's the first time. He doesn't just have power over sickness and death. He has power over nature and the rules of physics and all that kind of stuff, you know. So what's Jesus' response to them when they panic? He says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. You think how comforting that would have been to realize that you were so terrified thinking that something had found you, something that you couldn't understand had found you out in the middle of the night on the sea without your Savior, without your teacher, only to find out that it was him displaying that power. It must have been very comforting. And it makes me think about times in our lives where we panic over little things, unexplainable events in our lives. Um, and how that can really just drive us off the rails and all we have to do is turn and focus on Jesus and we can come and find peace. It seems like God is always the last explanation that we think of when when something extraordinary happens. Um, the world does that a lot and the world should because that's that's what the world is. But Christians shouldn't do that. We should be much more willing to accept things that are inexplicable or supernatural and attribute those to God. But I think when it, it, what makes it difficult is in a situation like this, you know, in, in the immediacy of it, is that it seems like not a good thing. It seems like it's just a terrifying, scary thing, but it was just their perception of it. And, and maybe that's what you're trying to say, is that often our first reaction is to panic and mm-hmm. fear, mm-hmm. and maybe that shouldn't be our reaction. Exactly. That, that is my point. Thank you for clarifying that. After Jesus' statement of comfort, Peter, is, is, it seems like it's a test. I don't know. What do you think here? Uh, he tells Jesus, if you are who you say you are, well, I'll, I'll let you. What do you think of Peter's statement after Jesus' statement of comfort? It's, it's his, hard to pin it down there. because... I'm like you. You read his words, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. That certainly seems like a test. So I guess it must be, but that seems it seems a little bit crazy for Peter to be testing Jesus at this point, given what he's already seen. Maybe it's a test. Maybe it is, it is Peter kind of tentatively asking to, to be able to do this as well. Yeah, maybe this is his way of doing it. I don't know. Yeah, it, I was thinking about the last time that Jesus said, come to Peter, and how he pulled him away from the boat. And you think about the first few instances, the first few interactions Jesus has with Peter, and how 
he's told to cast the net over the side and brings it up and it's full of fish after they'd been fishing all night. So Peter knows that he could get out of the boat and he could walk on water. Mm -hmm. That's the impression that I get. And it seems like what he's saying is, please tell me that I have this, this power within me as well. Almost like a, a, a confirmation of his belief. And that, I don't know, that's, that's kind of the way that I think of it. But we see that Jesus tells him to come. We see that Peter's faith is tested as he walks towards Jesus. And the crazy thing, I say crazy, and maybe that's a, maybe that's a I think it challenge tends. in itself, yeah. yeah, is that Peter actually does walk on the water. It says he walked all the way to, to Jesus. And then I get the, I have this picture of him standing there next to Jesus, taking it all in, looking around and thinking, what in the world am I doing? Mm-hmm. How did I get out here? I don't even have the boat to hide me, to keep me afloat. And all of a sudden he's sinking. Yeah, there's, there's a lot here. Uh, the first thing I thought of is <laughs> Jesus sort of flipped the script on Peter. It was a test of Jesus. And Jesus immediately makes it a test of Peter. Mm-hmm. He does that with questions a lot. Now he's done it with a test. But then also I thought, this is a, a nice little microcosm of counting the cost of following Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do what you're doing, Jesus. Be careful what you ask for. Because that's exactly what Peter gets to do. And then when he's in the moment, he does look around and, and says he sees the wind. And whether that means, I don't know how he sees the wind. Yeah, what I was thinking of, when you see the wind, you don't see the wind, you see what the wind is doing. You see the consequences of the wind. So even today, if you see heavy winds, that means that you see trees moving, you see, uh, you know... Rain being blown sideways. Rain going sideways, maybe damage to your house. You see the consequences of heavy wind, but you Mm -hmm. don't see the wind. And I think that's the same way in our lives, that we see the consequences of sin in our lives. We see the devil doing different things to try and hold us back from Christ. And sometimes we see those things and we get discouraged and we think, how can I ever live this life? And as we're going to see, all we have to do is turn our heads and look at Jesus, focus on him, and we'll be able to stand in peace. It, our high school, our high school class at church has this kind of j- running joke. Whenever you're teaching the class, they say, "If you don't know the answer, just say Jesus." The answer is always Jesus. But I thought about that here. Like, what's the answer? How can I do this with Jesus? The answer is Jesus. You don't. Jesus does this with you. Uh, Peter out there by himself would have sunk like a stump. Yep. But he was able to walk. He was able to walk on water with no, really, they don't have any recording of him having any problem with it. Yeah. Like, the water's probably rough. The sea's blowing. The wind's blowing. And he's walking on water like he's done it his entire life. Until he didn't. Until he took his eyes off of Jesus. Such a beautiful picture. Why didn't the wind stop when Peter was walking to Jesus? I love this question, and it reminded me of what we talked about in the Psalm 23 episode. Mm -hmm. 
because in that episode, we, we looked at the different scenes in Psalm 23 and, and noticed that God did not remove the evil or the threat mm-hmm. from, from David. And it's the same thing for uh, Peter. It's the same thing for us. God never said he's going to remove the threat. He's just saying, you're safe. Don't be afraid. Like, that's, that's the answer is don't be afraid. It's me. Don't be afraid. I have you. It's not, oh, I'm going to make this go away. I think, no, you're going to have to stick it out. Sorry. I think this is such a clear part of this miracle because he could have stopped. I mean, he stops it as soon as he gets in the boat. Yeah. So it was a statement almost that, no, you're going to. He doesn't stop it once Peter starts drowning. He pulls him up, walks him back to the boat. As soon as he gets in the boat, he stops it. So it's just to show you need me to get through mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And what great, I, mean, I think this is a perfect parallel with us, like we've talked about, and depending on Jesus in our lives. And what does that look like day to day? That means heavy prayer, heavy study, heavy humility, and not thinking, I've got this, but understanding that you don't. Yeah, the prayer that Peter offers doesn't sound like a prayer to us, but it's, Lord, save me. That's all he has to say. And then Jesus does the rest. And I think the same. I, I think you've, you said that very well. And, and that's, that's the thing that allows us to endure all this. And I guess as Christians, we're expected to. Like, we're not expected to hide ourselves from the world. The world needs the gospel of Christ. And so if we pulled ourselves back and built really high walls and didn't let anybody in, we may think that we're safe. But we're not fulfilling our commission. We're not doing what Christ did on earth. And so we're not being really Christ-like. Instead, he's just said, I will be with you. And, and we can't accomplish this together. But we have to keep our focus on him. In the book of Matthew, do you know the last time Jesus commanded others to come to him? It's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the question for each of us, I think, is what can I do to help completely commit my heart to him? Am I looking to him all the time? Jesus has pulled each of us from the water. Let's look through the winds and strive towards Jesus with courage and humility. Thank you for joining us where there is hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him.